Hey guys, Pastor David here. Uh, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church, and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today, and we're excited about kicking off this sermon. Man, God is good, isn't he? All right. I said, I'm going to say that one more time. God is good, isn't he? Yes. Amen. There we go. We got a few people a little sleepy. All right. Awesome. He is, man. I tell you what, when we come to church, this isn't, this isn't a funeral, man. We are coming to declare the praises of the one that has set us free, that has redeemed us, that has given us new life. So it's okay to get excited in here. We've got something to be excited about. We have a hope of freedom and redemption through Christ, man. Um, so, so last week we wrapped up uh, our gospel series that we've been in for, for a while now. We were in that series for a good bit. We wrapped that series up. If you weren't here last week or if you missed any of those sermons, thanks to our tech guru in the back, Josh, you are able to go and, and look at any of those sermons to kind of catch up. I encourage you to do that. Um, so you can go at any point. You can check that out online. Um, it, well, I, I'm, I'm excited about the weeks to come because we've got a few weeks where we're going to be diving into some individual topics. Um, I'm really excited about one of those individual topics we're going to be diving into today. Um, this is just kind of a single sermon, standalone um, topic, and, and it's on identity crisis. And as we, we dive into this topic of identity crisis, I want to kind of kick this off by um, asking you to imagine a point in your life. Imagine going on in your life, and you get to this point randomly where you just completely forget who you are. You forget your family, you forget your friends, you forget, um, you know, what you do for a living, where you work, you even forget where your home is. And then on top of forgetting all of this stuff, you then go and assume a false identity, completely leaving behind the person that you, you really are, your family, your friends, as if they never even existed. And as crazy as that is for us to imagine, I mean, we're kind of thinking like, dude, that would never actually happen to me. As crazy as this is to think about, this has actually happened to several people. I mean, legit, this has happened to several people. There's several stories out there of this happening to people. It doesn't happen that often. Um, but there, there were a lot of different stories I was kind of going through um, as God kind of put this idea on my heart, this topic on my heart. And one story kind of stuck out to me. It was a story of a lady named uh, Jody Roberts. Not Julia Roberts, Jody Roberts. Um, and Jody Roberts, back in 1985, she was 26 years old, and she uh, had a loving family, loved her family, her friends, um, they loved her, and something kind of started happening. Um, her family and her friends started noticing that she was acting a little bit different. At that point in time, she lived in Tacoma, Washington. She was a reporter at a local newspaper there, and they just started noticing she was acting different. She wasn't really taking care of herself um, that well. Um, she was drinking a lot more excessively, and these things just kind of started getting worse and worse until it got to this point where she just randomly disappeared. Like, she just vanished without a trace. Nobody had a clue where she went. Family, friends, nobody. They couldn't find her. And get this, they didn't see her again for 12 years. 12 years. And what they didn't know is five days after she disappeared, she was actually found walking around randomly disoriented in a mall in, get this, Colorado. Colorado. Okay, that's over a thousand miles away. She has no clue who she is, 
no form of identification, the people that find her, that they have nothing to go off of. The only thing that they could have potentially used to try to find out who this person is, where she's from, or maybe find somebody that knows something, was she had a pair of car keys, Toyota car keys. But here's the thing. She had car keys, but no car. They couldn't locate the car. They had no clue who this person was over a 1,000 miles away. And so what they end up doing is checking her into a hospital. She goes to a hospital, gets checked in, uh, Denver Hospital. She's there. The, the doctors aren't able to really help her. I mean, they diagnose her with amnesia, obviously, because she's completely forgotten who she is. Um, but they can't help her find you know, out where, who she is or where she's from. She has no clue. The memory doesn't come back to her. So they um, discharge her. They can't just keep her there at the hospital, right? Um, so she, they discharge her. And because she doesn't know who she is, she takes on this new identity. Not because she wants to, but because she has to. So she takes on this name of Jane D. And then Jody Roberts, now Jane D, ends up um, getting a job at a local fast food place. She goes to college at the University of Denver. Um, she ends up actually moving to Alaska, marries this fisherman, has a bunch of kids, gets this job as a web designer. And then 1997, one of her coworkers randomly sees a picture of um, uh, Judy Roberts. And she's like, wait, that's Jane D. And she goes and tells her. And then through that, Jane is able, Jody is able to actually reunite with her family. This has been 12 years later. But the thing is, even when she's reunited with her family, she still has no memory. No memory at all of them. And see, as crazy as this is, similar to Jody's story, a lot of us as Christians are experiencing something that I like to call spiritual amnesia. And what spiritual amnesia is, that's when Christians, born-again Christians, genuine followers of Christ, have completely forgotten who they are and whose they are. And they've forgotten what God has done for them. And you know when somebody's experiencing spiritual amnesia, because what happens is their life starts reflecting the world more than it does Christ. In fact, when you start looking at their life, you can't even barely see Christ at all. They, they kind of take on more of this mentality. It's like this um, um, uh, hedonistic, relativistic mentality where it's like, do what you want in the moment. I'm going to do whatever I want, whatever feels good, whatever makes me happy, right? Whatever I think is the right thing to do, that's what I'm going to do in the moment. That's kind of this mentality and this lifestyle that these people start taking on. Again, looking like the world rather than looking like Jesus Christ. And then when it's left untreated, spiritual amnesia, it can actually lead to several different things. Um, one of those things I like to call spiritual schizophrenia. I don't know where I'm coming up with these names, but spiritual schizophrenia. And, and what that is, that's when, again, these are born-again Christians, born-again Christians, been saved by Jesus Christ, but they start walking around just kind of chasing their tail through life, wearing mask upon mask upon mask, not knowing how to act from person to person, situation to situation, acting more like a chameleon, especially when the pressures of life start just kind of weighing them down, making bad decision after bad decision. A couple other things that spiritual amnesia can lead to is slavery and complete debilitation. And again, I'm talking about Christians, guys. This can cause Christians, born-again Christians who have been saved, redeemed, set free, to walk around as though they are victims rather than as victors through Jesus Christ. Because, guys, we're only able to walk around in light of the victory that Jesus Christ has given us by naming and claiming his truths over our life, including the identity that he died to give us. The big idea today is our identity in Christ unlocks our victory 
through Christ. Our identity in Christ unlocks our victory through Christ. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much. Not only for the fact that you've died for us, that you, you didn't leave us where you, you, we're at. You, it's not about what we've done. It's about what you've done. And you meet us where you're at. God, I, I thank you so much for that salvation that you've given us. But I, I thank you so much for the identity that you've given us, God. The fact that you love us, you never give up on us, God. God, I pray that you remind us what that identity is, who we are in you, Jesus. And I pray that you help us to live our lives in light of that identity, in light of that victory that you have given us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just you flood this place. I pray that we feel your presence. I pray that you take over this sermon, that you speak through this broken vessel. God. I pray for anointing over this. And I pray that you release any chains, any bondage in our hearts, our minds, God. Help us to experience your presence. Transform our lives. I pray all these things in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to do um, something a little bit different today than we usually do. So this is your first time. is is different. Just, just a little heads up, okay? Uh, today it's going to be a little bit less preachy, and I said a little bit now, okay? Um, and a little bit more kind of teaching and uh, kind of interactive in ways. Is, is that cool? Is that cool with everybody? I'm getting some nods, so okay, cool. If not, I'm sorry. You just have to get over it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll get through it. Um, all right, awesome. So, so first off, you should have gotten a couple of pieces of paper. Um, the first piece of paper is, is a, the life group questions. And uh, we get that out every single Sunday. Um, and those, by the way, let me hit on that for just a second. Those life group questions, again, we give that out every Sunday. The life group that, again, meets here every Wednesday um, at 6 o'clock, uh, come as you are, uh, food and all that good stuff. So we actually, it's sermon focused. So we go through those questions. So they're the same questions that we're going to go through. And they're set up. Um, in a way to where it kind of causes you, forces you to dive a little bit deeper, actually dive into the text, which I encourage you to do after the sermons. So do that. Um, I encourage you to go to the life group. Even if you can't make it, though, fill that out um, and just engage with the text as God is directing you and prompting you. So um, you should have gotten that. But the other thing you should have gotten is a piece of paper that has the text, the main text on it that we're going to be going in, going to kind of dive into today. And below the main text, it's got some stuff for you to fill out. If you didn't get that, um, we should have more through that door. To the right, there's a table. It's got like a black cloth type of thing. So you can get one over there. Can you guys drink me some water? Thank you so much. That is like the, the worst thing to be speaking and then your mouth is dry. Anybody had that happen? Mm. Awkward water break. There we go. All right. So, again, the topic that we're going to be diving into is identity crisis. And we experience an identity crisis. Um, when we experience something I like to call spiritual amnesia. And again, that's when we forget who we are, whose we are, and we forget what God has done for us altogether. And the question becomes, well, if I find myself experiencing this or getting tempted to experience this, you know, kind of struggling with this a little bit, th then what do I do, right? Or, or maybe you're one of those people where it's like, you know, I know somebody that this kind of fits that description. So what do I do? What, what's kind of some um, advice that I can give this person? And the answer to that question is the exact same answer to preventing spiritual amnesia in the first place, which is you have to claim your true identity in Christ. You have to know what your identity in Christ is, and you have to claim that identity 
in Christ. See, the key to walking in victory in this life comes through, again, naming and claiming God's truths over your life, including your identity in Christ, knowing who you are in Christ. And guys, this is so important that the Apostle Paul, we all know who the Apostle Paul is, wrote um, tons of the New Testament. He actually mentions the word in Christ, in him, in the Lord, well over 100 times. That's just Paul, one guy, mentions this in the Bible well over 100 times. And then on top of that, there's several different references that we could give here, but on top of that, the most important one is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, John chapter uh, 17, the high priestly prayer. Several times in that prayer, he, he prays that we would be in him, that we would be one. And if that's not crazy enough, you got to remember when that happened. That happened. He prayed this, that we would be in him, that we would be one just moments before he was betrayed, before he was beaten, and before he was killed. This is what he is praying. This is what's going in through his mind. Father, I pray that they would be in me, that they would be one. Do you think this is important? And this isn't just important. This is huge. This is huge. And in light of that, knowing how important this is, it begs this question, well, then what is my identity in Christ? If this is so important, then what is this? Who am I as a Christian anyways? And the answer to that can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to read this together. That, that verse is on that, that piece of paper for you. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. All right, so, so everybody go ahead and pull that piece of paper out. What we're going to do, we're going to go through this, and there's a few things that we're going to kind of mark up together, okay? I told you it's going to be kind of interactive today. All right, so first, I want you to put a square or a box around the words you are, okay? Then circle the word chosen. If I go too fast, feel free to say something. It's okay. And then underline the words chosen race. I like to put kind of two underlines there, but do whatever you want. Just underline that. Then circle the word royal priesthood, both of those words, and underline that. And then circle the word holy and underline the words holy nation. And then lastly, um, underline the words his possession and circle the word his. All right, everybody got that? Okay, so don't, don't get too ahead of yourself. Don't start writing things down in those blanks below. If you write those words that you just circled, those are the wrong words. So some of you are like, man, I wish you had told me that before. Um, so d- we'll kind of go through this together. I'll let you know when we're going to be filling out that stuff um, below. But the first thing that we come to in this text is the word chosen race. Chosen race. And in order to kind of understand this, we have to kind of step back for a moment and um, go back in time, metaphorically speaking. Um, I don't actually have a time machine. That would be really cool. But metaphorically speaking, we're going to kind of go back in time for just a moment um, because this identity claim of a chosen um, race, chosen race, that actually was given by God to the nation of Israel. Okay? That's where this identity claim first came from. See, God said that you will be my people and I will be your God. And he gave them this identity claim for no other reason other than his love, his grace, and his mercy. It had nothing to do with what the Israelites did. Like, I mean, honestly, if you go back and you read the Old Testament about the Israelites, man, you're going to be wondering, why in the world did God not give up on these people? Like, this is crazy. You know, like, my gosh, if I were God, I would have, like, smiked them or something, you know, like a long time ago. This, like, why did he not give up on them? 
It had nothing to do with what they did. It was all about God's love, grace, and mercy for them. And he never gave up on them. He never gave up on them, which is crazy when you go back and you read that. And a lot of times when I go and I read the Old Testament about the Israelites, I find myself really kind of honestly giving the Israelites a hard time. Like if they were there and I could just sit them down and talk to them, I'd tell them all the bad things they did. Like how in the world could you have made that stupid decision? Are you kidding me? No, I mean, God just, I mean, look at the stuff he just did. He just brought you out of Egypt. I mean, you saw all these miracles and you're making these dumb decisions. Are you kidding me? You know, but the thing is, even though we're kind of hard on them, when we're honest with ourselves, as we look in the mirror, we can find ourselves doing similar things, can't we? We act the same way as these crazy guys did in the Old Testament, these Israelites, when we're honest with ourselves. But what's crazy is God never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. Guys, that is called grace. That is called grace. And when you are in Christ, when you're a Christian, you've been bought with a price, you are drowning. You are covered in the grace of God. And when Jesus Christ came, I'm going to tell you something. He showed us his love, his incredible love and his grace for us as he spread out his arms in a display of that love and that grace for everyone to see. That's how much he loves us. It's not about what we have done. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. And because of Christ, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, when we choose to surrender to him as Lord and Savior of our life, we are given that identity claim of a chosen race. As Christians, that's, what's Pe- that's what Peter, the author of this text, is telling us here. And, and I want to kind of hone in on this a little bit deeper here, okay? So I told you to underline those words, chosen race, but I told you to circle that word, that word chosen. So I want to kind of hone in a, a little bit because they're, they're kind of dissect the implications here. Um, and, and first off, we need to be kind of honest with ourselves, okay? Because when we're honest with ourselves, when we think about the fact that we are chosen by God, man, that's really hard to wrap your head around, isn't it? Like, that's hard for me a lot of times to wrap my head around. I'm just being honest, okay? And I don't think I'm the only one. To think about the God of the universe has chosen me, and not because of anything that I have done, but because of what he has done, for his, because of his scandalous grace for me. That and that alone, he has chosen me, Right? And it's really hard for us to kind of wrap our head around this. I think the reason that this is really hard for us to wrap our head around is because underneath that truth claim of the fact that we are chosen it is another identity claim that's really hard to wrap our heads around. The fa- I mean, this is something, this identity claim, it's not just a desire. It is an absolute need that so many people will search their entire lives for this thing, never finding it. Because it is a knee at the core of who we are, our identity. And the reason that so many people will search their entire lives and never find it is because it can only be found, it can only be met in Jesus Christ. And that is the fact that you are 100%, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, accepted by God. And there's nothing that you could ever do to take that away. You are accepted by the God of the universe. And I'm going to tell you something. You are accepted by God, and there are no strings attached. There's no limitations, no time frames on this. Even in those moments when you don't accept yourself, God still accepts you. Still accepts you. Because of Jesus Christ, we can know that without a doubt, 
I am accepted by God. That's your first word to fill in there, by the way. And the next we see in this text, the words royal priesthood. And both of these words have so much um, incredible meaning and purpose um, with them. But I want, I want to kind of go through one word at a time. I told you to circle both of them. So we'll go through both of them, but we're going to go through one word at a time here. And first, before we do this, I want to encourage you to, to, to kind of understand, if you don't already understand this, when we read something in the Scriptures, okay, so if we, when we're reading this text right here, or any text at all in the Bible, we got to understand the fact that this was written by a specific person to, a, to another specific person or group of people, um, at a specific date and time in history, okay? So there are eternal truths. There, there's eternal um, weight to this, and there's eternal application. So even though this was written thousands of years ago, we can still apply these things to our life today, but we got to understand, kind of put our feet in the sands of time, so to speak, and understand that, man, you know, this was written by a certain person to a certain group of people. So the idea there is to kind of try to put ourselves in the shoes of, these, of this audience, this original audience to wonder, you know, to kind of, try to figure out what were they thinking in those moments. Because there's a lot of things when we don't do that, there's a lot of things that we won't catch, okay? And the importance and the significance of what's being said here. Um, so first off is this word royal, okay? Um, and I want to kind of dissect this word royal. The first thing, as, as Peter is writing this, these guys are either hearing this or they're reading this, automatically in their heads, they would have thought of two things that would have just immediately popped up in their heads when they see this word or they hear this word royal. And that is kings and queens. Kings and queens. So one of the first people they probably would have thought of was King David, right? I mean, a man after God's own heart. King David, the greatest king that's ever lived, right? He wasn't perfect, we know that. The greatest king that ever lived. And the other person that they probably would have thought of pretty much immediately is the emperor of Rome, Caesar. Why? Because he had so much influence, impact, not just over Rome, but the entire world in that day and age. Not because he's a good guy, but just because of the impact that he has across the world. And for everyday citizens to try to aspire to one day be a king or a queen of Israel, or to be the emperor of Rome, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to be Caesar one day. I'm going to be king of Israel one day, right, or queen of Israel. Dude, that was nuts, like absolute nuts, crazy. That, that, like, that didn't happen. If you went around saying, I'm going to be Caesar one day, I mean, that, they would have been like, are you kidding me? You are crazy, dude. That's not going to happen. I mean, imagine for a second, imagine um, if I were to say, hey, I'm going to be president of the United States one day, Okay. We'll multiply that by about 100 or more, and that's how crazy it would be for someone to go around saying, hey, I'm going to be Caesar one day. I'm going to be king of Israel one day. I'm going to be the queen of Israel one day. This would have blown their minds when they saw this because this just did not happen. They could not equate themselves with royalty. So here Peter is telling them that as Christians, when you are in Christ, you are automatically royal in God's royal family and this would have blown their minds and then the other word that we see here is priesthood and with this word priesthood there's several different implications here but one that I want to focus in on the most important um, thing here um, see when they would have thought of a priest they would have thought of kind of this middleman between a holy and perfect God 
and sinful man. He's kind of that middleman, okay? The only one that had access to the presence of God was the high priest, okay? So when Peter is saying that they are a priesthood, what he is saying is that now as Christians, every single one of us, no matter where you're at, no matter where you go, when you are in Christ, you have access to the very presence of God. To the very presence of God. And when these guys are hearing that again, it's, this is something that it just blows your mind. But here's the thing, it doesn't stop there. Okay, that, that's just, we're skimming through the surface here. So it doesn't stop there. There's something else that we have to understand about both of these words. See, and in these titles, rather. Both of these titles are only given through inheritance. So you had to inherit this, right? Um, and, and in order to be royal, for example, you, you had to be born into a royal family. At the very least, you had to marry into a royal family. In order to um, uh, inherit that uh, title of a priest, you had to be born to the tribe of Levi, right? This had to be inherited. So here's the thing. As Christians, we've got to understand this. As Christians, we have been born again into the family of God. We share in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. As the cross, we are, as the, the church, rather, we are not only the body of Christ, but we are the bride of Christ, which means we're married to Christ, which what all that means is in every possible way imaginable, you have inherited the title of royal through God and the title of a priest, and you have access to the very presence of God. And with that title of a royal priesthood, that also means that you are more significant than anything else in the entire universe except for God himself. Because of your identity in Jesus Christ, you're significant. The third thing as we dive into this list here, this text that we see is the words holy nation. And similar to the words chosen race, this also was a title that was given by God to the nation of Israel. This was a, an identity claim that was given by God to the nation of Israel. And again, not for any other reason, not, not for anything that they had done, not for any other reason than his love for them. He declared this, proclaimed this over their lives. And I'm going to tell you something. When the God of the universe declares, proclaims something over your life, there's absolutely nothing that you can do other than be marked for all of eternity by his declaration, by his proclamation over your life, not because of you, but in spite of you. That is who you are because that's who God says you are. It's never been about what we bring to the table, guys. It's always been about what Jesus Christ has already brought to the table. And he brought his very life, which he laid down for every single one of us as his followers. As we hone in on this a little bit deeper, the word that I asked you to circle there was holy. And as we kind of dive into and dissect that word holy, what we see um, lying a little bit deeper are two words which are set apart. Set apart. And without going too deep here, the fact that you are set apart, what that means is that you are meant for something so much more grand, so much more beautiful, so much more perfect than this life, this world could ever offer you, ever. You were declared as a Christian, as a child of God, set apart. And you may be in this world, but you are not of this world. Your home is in heaven with your heavenly Father whose love for you knows absolutely no limits and no ends at all. 
Because of my identity in Christ, I am set apart. And then lastly in this text, we see these words, his possession. And if all this other stuff wasn't huge, the implications to this is just, man, it's, it's, it's astronomical. Because we have to understand this is God. This is the God of the universe. God, the God of the universe owns everything in the universe. He made the universe and everything in it. So technically speaking, everything is God's possession. Everything. And so when God is saying that you are my possession, what this is essentially telling us is that when God looks at all of his creation, he looks at all the, the entire universe, everything that he has made, he is so lovesick, love crazy over you that everything else in the universe just essentially just fades back into the distance as if it's not even there, doesn't even exist because he can't take his eyes, his focus, his attention off of you. Because he is so lovesick over you as he gazes out over all of his creation, the entire universe, you as his child, are what he sees. You are what he cannot take his gaze, his eyes, his attention, and his love off of. Imagine, um, for those of us that are married in here, imagine whenever you were first kind of dating or you first met um, that that man or that woman, okay? Um, The first dates that you were going on together. Imagine those thoughts and those emotions that you have for that person. Especially in the beginning, you got all those feelings and that lovesick, you know, type of feelings and emotions going through your head. You, you can't take your attention off of that person. Doesn't matter where you go. You could be in a room full of thousands of people. I don't care where it's at. But your attention, your thoughts, and your emotions are on that person. Your gaze is on that person, and you can't take them off. You cannot stop thinking about that person. And then for those of us that have kids... Imagine whenever, go back in your, in your memory, and, and remember whenever your little boy or your little girl was born. What were you thinking in those moments? Imagine those thoughts and those emotions in those moments as you were staring at your little boy or your little girl for the first time. You're, surra- you're in this huge hospital. Hopefully all of us, uh, I mean, some people, I guess, have babies in the back of cars. I don't know, but um, hopefully all of us were in a hospital And we're surrounded by a bunch of people in this hospital, right? Tons of people. You got tons of doctors, nurses coming in. You thinking about the doctors and the nurses in that moment? Your family and your friends. You might give them a moment of your time, you know, kind of pretend in a moment, say, I'm kind of paying attention to you. But no, your gaze, your attention, your thoughts and your emotions are on your baby girl or your baby boy that you are lovesick, love crazy over that you cannot stop thinking about that is where your thoughts and your emotion is but i'm gonna tell you something guys the thoughts and the emotions that you had in those moments don't even compare to the thoughts and the emotions that the god of the universe has as he gazes you lovesick love crazy he loves you so much and this, these two words, I asked you to circle the word his. And the amazing truth about knowing that we are his, when you know that you are his, the amazing truth behind that is that when you are his, he is yours. 
He's yours to experience. He's yours to do life with. And he's yours to love. Isn't that awesome? Because he calls you his, you can know without a doubt that you are more cherished by him than anything else in the universe. Because of my identity in Christ, I am cherished by the God of the universe. It's not because of us, but in spite of us. He accepts us. He calls us significant. He sets us apart. And he cherishes us. And because of my identity found in Christ, I now have intimacy with God and I belong in his family. The last thing you can write. Intimacy with God and you belong in his family. And guys, when we fight to name and claim our true identity in Christ, even through the lies, through the deceptions, no matter what this world, this life throws at us, even through the you know, uh, spiritual attacks, through the temptations, no matter what comes our way, we fight for our true identity in Christ. That is when we can honestly experience his truths for our lives, and we can experience his power in and through our lives. Because ultimately, our identity in Christ is what unlocks our victory through Christ. The victory through Christ is unlocked through our identity in him. And the result of claiming your true identity in Christ is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, the last part of verse 9 and verse 10, which says, So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All right, so break out that piece of paper. We're going to go through this and make some marks in here one last time. All right, so first off, that word so, um, box in that word so there, and then also box in the word proclaim. And then I want you to underline the words, the one who called you. And then circle the word darkness, underline the word into, and then circle the word light, and then um, put like an arrow that's pointing, that's going from darkness pointing to light. And then circle the words, not a people, underline but now, and then I want you to circle God's people. So you got to put like a little horseshoe circle around God, a horseshoe circle around people. Make that work. I believe in you. You can do it. Go through it again. Am I going a little too fast? Okay. All right. All right. So box in, so, and then box in, proclaim. Underline the one who called you. Circle darkness. Underline into. Circle light. Put an arrow going from darkness, pointing to light. Circle not of people. Is this good? Am I going too fast? Is that good? Okay. And then uh, underline but now. And then circle God's people. Again, you got to put like a little horseshoe type circle because it goes from one line to the other. And then put a line, um, an arrow that's pointing from um, not a people to God's people. I just put the arrow pointing to God's. All right. And then circle not received mercy. 
underline the words, but now. Circle the words, have received mercy. And then lastly, put an arrow going from not received mercy to have received mercy. I'll give you just a second here. Then we're going to read this together, okay? All right. So let's read this together. When we honestly know our identity in Christ, when we claim the identity of Christ, that's when we can walk in victory in light of the victory that God has given us so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Guys, when you honestly understand your identity in Christ, And you can honestly know without a doubt who you are and whose you are. And you can proclaim the fact that you have been brought from darkness into light. That you have been brought from an orphan into adoption, from judgment into mercy, from death into life. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. This is only possible because of Jesus and the incredible identity that he died to give you. Praise God, man. But we have to understand, though, with this is that our salvation, our identity, and our hope, our future, only comes from submission to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It only comes through submission to Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. See, without Christ, guys, we are orphans on our way to our judgment, on our way to our death penalty with absolutely no hope because true salvation, true identity, and true hope only comes in and through Jesus Christ. And in God's incredible love and his scandalous grace for us, he not only paved the way for our salvation, for our identity, for our future, and for our hope through the cross, but he loves you so much that he doesn't force this on you. He gives you the choice. He gives you the choice to respond. It's his invitation. He invites you into this love relationship with him where you can receive this salvation that he has died to give you, receive this identity and this hope and this future that he has for you as free gifts. You have to step into that love relationship with him. It only comes through Jesus. As the worship team comes up, I think there may be some of us in here today that potentially have never honestly given our life Submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, as you're sitting there, we're talking about this identity found in Christ, thinking to yourself, man, I don't have that identity. I want you to know something. You can have that identity. You can have that identity. It has already been bought for you. All that he asks you to do is to step into that love relationship with him. To surrender your life to to him as Lord and Savior. Just repent, which simply means to turn away from those, those false gods in your life, whatever it may be, and to turn to him as God over your life and to claim that identity that he died to give you. And if that's you, if God is stirring, working on your heart today, please don't wait without responding to him, without giving your life to him. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. The altar's open. You can pray up here. But don't leave here today without responding. Or maybe some of us are in here today. Maybe you're Christians And you have this identity, technically speaking, but you haven't been walking in light of this identity. 
Maybe you haven't been claiming this identity that Jesus Christ died to give you. And rather than walking around in victory as more than a conqueror through Christ, you're walking around more as a victim. In slavery. Completely debilitated. If that's you, God has so much more for you. He loves you so much. And it's not just the fact that he won't force you to respond to the gospel through salvation, but he also won't force you to live in light of the freedom and the victory that he died to give you as a Christian. But he invites you to to step into, to claim that identity. Hey guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we... Um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already. Then the way that we can respond is just by you know asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me. What do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. Then I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, you know, Whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. And it's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key, it's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's the symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're, we're, we, we're, uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Um, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. 
So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we are we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.